This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. I'm your host and the editor-in-chief of the Pitch, Brock Wilbur. This is a podcast that is an extension of the Pitch, doing pitchy type things. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to this week. How is everyone doing out in the world? It is hot again. It is summer. And as such, we're about to drive to St. Louis to go to Shakespeare in the park. A thing that I forgot exists, but somehow does. Uh, here's the thing. Our dog is about to go to summer camp. He's going to go away for a month to learn how to be less him. It's going to be a good thing, going to be a wonderful thing. He's clearly just filled with anxiety and uh, some structure will do him good. In the interim, though, we can't board him anywhere. We can't put him somewhere that they will take care of him. No one can be at the house long enough to take care of him. So the dog gets to come with us to St. Louis to see Shakespeare in the park. Yeah, uh, he is too much of a little ADHD nightmare to be left in the care of others, so we're going to take him to see King Lear. Don't know how this happened. I'm trusting my wife entirely on this one. Really excited to have a three and a half hour drive both ways with him in the back seat. Going to be cool. Going to be cool to stay at a hotel with him. Just really excited to see how he travels because I'm prepared to not travel well. I am prepared to not have one of the fun first times back out traveling in the world be the drive to and from St. Louis in a 24 hour period to go watch theater in the park. We, I, I'm excited. I'm so excited to see it, uh, to see something that I've forgotten exists. Um, will be weird. I really hope that the dog plays well, because otherwise we got to walk the dog back to the hotel and we might miss some of King Lear. And who knows how we would ever catch up on what happened there. I suppose just remembering our, our mutual college time spent in theater, memorizing King Lear. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. But I would like the dog to learn. I would like this to be the dog's first time through Shakespeare. And I think that, uh, you know, he doesn't get scared by movies or TV, which are often played very loud. Lots of horror movies and video games around the house. Never phases him. So I'm hope, hoping a couple of people talking for a few hours in a park doesn't spook him. But I'm recognizing that we are in the park and there will be squirrels. Okay, this is the more I say it out loud, the less it becomes a good plan. So... Anyway, that's my weekend. Can't wait to report back on how Captain Trips deals with theater. Uh, anyway, we have a great episode for you today. I have an interview with the woman that just started the Lawrence Times. Uh, we have Nick's Music Corner as always. But first, uh, we have a reading of Deaf Do Us Part uh, from J.M. Banks. It was in our uh, most recent magazine. Our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment is going to read that. Jason, take it away. Deaf Do Us Apart. The wedding industry sells itself with diversity, so why are professional opportunities whitewashed? By J.M. Banks. There is a surprising absence of black people's true spirit within our own wedding ceremonies. This contrasts the contributions the black community makes with our take on the Western wedding. For the most part, the black community follows the traditional European blueprint, with possible regional flares here and there. Apart from the plantation tradition of jumping the broom and the reception dance of the electric slide, a black wedding typically does not stray far from the classical framework. 
This is mainly due to the lack of individuals in the wedding industry that can inject the style, culture, and originality that the community is known for when interpreting inherited social institutions. In Kansas City, a growing number of black professionals are beginning to fill these voids. In turn, providing a much-needed injection of self-awareness to create something fresh, new, and distinctive of KC blackness. The binding of two individuals in matrimony is one of the most important and revered life events a person will experience in most cultures, races, and religions. Exchanging sacred vows and symbolic precious items joins two individual lives into one. The ceremonial sacrifice of both participants to create something new, with friends and family to bear witness to the eternal expression of their love, is a celebration that has evolved over generations and eras. In Western culture, weddings have expanded into a sprawling multi-billion dollar industry in the U.S. alone. Avion Wallace, a local event designer and planner who makes up Naomi Lee events alongside her mother Bertha Harrison, thinks Kansas City needs to catch up to other big cities. The Kansas City wedding game is far behind for the black community here, compared to other major metropolitan cities around the nation, Wallace says. As many in the Kansas City black community could tell you, weddings happen few and far between. For many, the event is an extravagance in times of economic hardships. According to Wallace, the average wedding in Missouri ranges from $30,000 to $31,000 from engagement ring to reception party. According to a 2019 report by the U.S. Census Bureau, the average income for a black household was $45,438. Their white counterparts made an average of $76,057. A young black couple in the U.S. would need to spend over half of an average year's earnings to achieve the ideal image of what we have been taught to be a perfect wedding. For many people within the black community, our image of what the fantasy wedding looks like is based on what white Western culture made it. In recent years, those who do have the economic means to put on the full show, with all their traditional aspects, have opted to incorporate as many black-owned businesses into the production as possible. This is especially true since the increase of spirit to the Black Lives Matter movement. Then there are those that may come from households where weddings are not exactly normalized. They may find themselves overwhelmed when they aren't well-versed in the intricate pieces a wedding and marriage consist of. Weddings are not normalized in the black community because black weddings are not normalized in the wedding community, Wallace says. Everything we do is from the aspect of us mirroring a borrowed ceremony. Wallace also noted the importance of the evolution of vocabulary and terminology that is used in our evolving culture, and being inclusive when it comes to members of the LGBTQIA community and their wedding services. We have to have a conversation in the industry about those traditional terms that are limiting, and using more general terms instead of bride, groom, bachelorette, bachelor, best man, and maid of honor, says Wallace. Wallace mentions her travels from Kansas City in 2010 to North Carolina for her undergraduate degree. From there, she went to New York for her master's and Atlanta before returning to Kansas City to take care of her mother who was diagnosed with breast cancer. The two were able to use their shared love for event planning to build a deeper connection, eventually forming into a thriving business. While away from home, she was able to see how much further along the black event scene was in bigger hubs. With more black athletes, celebrities, and entertainers, black event professionals have more of a chance to get selected for those big events, Wallace says. This brings coverage for their work through trade publications and social media shares. Here in Kansas City, the black event scene may at first glance appear limited at best. Although certain specialists for this type of event can be hard to find, like a black forest or a black-made stationery for invitations, the number of professionals in the weddings and events sector has been filling out over the past few years. 
Wallace and Harrison had the idea to create a styled wedding shoot of their own, pulling together a number of gifted and underutilized black talent to show what is in store for this year's wedding season. For those unfamiliar, a styled shoot is a gathering of creatives who bring their work together to display the possibilities of work that could come from the collaboration. These shoots are big moments in getting your foot in the door to network and build ties among others in your industry, but invitations to them are scarce, says Wallace. That's because for the most part, locally, a lot of the connections in the wedding industry are built from long-standing business arrangements. These arrangements are not welcoming for newcomers or the inclusion of black professionals to expand the field in Kansas City. For instance, the larger venues in the city are majority white-owned, so if there is a black couple going through that venue, they may be given what is known as a preferred vendors list. Someone looking just at that list may think black professionals are not available in the field. Or, if they are going off the strength of the venue's recommendation, it may seem as if there are not any qualified black professionals worth mentioning. Harrison points out that venues and wedding organizations will use black models in shoots, but you will seldom, if ever, see black creatives behind the scenes or black business owners. The unwillingness to diversify vendor lists limits the options customers have without doing their own research. It is even harder when there is an ever-present old guard mentality gatekeeping access to the new vendors who are ready to carve out their territory in the market. For some, it spells unwanted competition toward larger-scale clientele. Wallace and Harrison recount an event they threw for the Chiefs football player, Frank Clark, for his son's birthday party at Fiorella's Jack Stack. From the beginning we came in, and it's just like they didn't want to get us our respect. When we came in with our client, they assumed that we must have been his friend instead of professionals he sought out and hired, says Harrison. After planning the event and it going off as a success with a mixture of both black and white vendors working together in this event, the only businesses tagged via social media by the venue were the white-owned businesses, not even the main people responsible for creating the whole event. After moments like this, the team knew there needed to be a change, Instead of waiting for invitations to be included within the events community, they began creating their own black-owned collective filled with professionals from the community. They began looking to provide quality upscale resources for events such as weddings, while also helping to broaden and expand the culture of black weddings as we know them. Styled shoots like this are important for creating the much-needed visibility to show there is affordable cost. A good number of our creatives move to more lucrative cities in various industries, including the events scene, to gain larger profiles in their respective fields. This lack of mainstream publicity forces many black creatives in the industry to seek out alternate means to get their work out to the masses. Many of the black professionals praise social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram for bringing work in. More recently, the popular app Clubhouse has played a big part in keeping the rather small black events community connected with their counterparts in black communities around the nation. So, when certain wedding sensations may take hold, they know about it first. These collectives are immensely important in fostering encouraging and supportive relationships, instead of unhealthy competition due to the limited number of clientele in the area for black event professionals. When asked what a black professional adds to the job that a white counterpart might miss, many black professionals involved with the event said that they mostly add a new frame of thought. With the influx of self-taught innovators looking to bring the black community something of their own, we can look forward to seeing innovation in the near future like we have never witnessed before. The team of local black professionals for this styled shoot is what I can describe, after meeting many of them, as the Black Wedding Avengers, bringing together the best, brightest, and up-and-coming individuals in the community to show what they can do. Included in this group are black photographers, event venue owners, makeup artists, cake decorators, florists, wine sales, and decor professionals. 
each brings their own expertise and talents to create an experience that is new to the wedding scene in Kansas City. As anyone with a basic knowledge of weddings could tell you, one of the most important parts of the event is the photography. Two young professionals from the Kansas City area who participated in the shoot are Sean Nita Washington of Golden Image Photography and Miles Van of Miles V Photography, both of whom are college-educated individuals who inadvertently stumbled into event photography while working full-time jobs as they pursued their passions on the side. Both Washington and Van began their careers in the industry right before COVID-19 hit, bringing the wedding industry to a screeching halt. With the world starting to open back up and smaller, more controlled gatherings are starting to take place, both are finding that many in the black community are hiring newer, less established photographers as opposed to more experienced, more expensive individuals with a larger portfolio. For Washington, one of the obstacles is capturing each and every detail of one of the most important events of a person's life. It's my job to be patient and do everything on my end to make sure that the stress is off of the client on their special day, and they know I will do everything to get those memories that they will cherish forever, says Washington. Both photographers were lucky enough to study under more established professionals from within the black community who guided them on their journey. Washington found a mentor and photographer Marie Rood of Leninger Rood Photography, now located in Tennessee, after meeting at an event for business professionals in 2019. Van gained an interest in wedding photography a year into his career after assisting his fellow Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity brother, Anthony Robinson, with a wedding. It was interesting, just learning by seeing the different types of shots and angles he was getting, Van says. I just studied the way he was able to create a story with the pictures he was taking. It can be hard for photographers to find older role models for guidance, as many may view the increasing numbers in the field as unwanted competition. The importance of having a black photographer is vital for the perspective of a black vision to be captured. Washington, a young black woman building experience and defining her style, opposes the traditional established white contemporary style. A new aspect and outlook that may be currently missing in local photography. Just a creative style with changes in style as it rapidly happens, says Washington. Conversely, Van notices that his primary clients are those in the black community, which has become a hallmark of his work. My photography can be described as professional and elegant, but also something unmistakably black, Van says. It also seems to be harder for young black photographers with limited resources to break into the scene, as funds are a large determiner of the quality you can offer and display. Both photographers have recently established their respective websites, goldenimagephotog.com and mylessvan.com, to maximize online exposure and reach. Location is a stressful part of the wedding industry for any couple looking to accommodate two separate groups of strangers in a cohesive event. In Kansas City, there are few smaller outlets looking to provide spaces to the black event market. One upside of COVID-19 is the need for smaller groups for intimate gatherings. Local business owners like Tanisha Mitchell of Styles Remedy, Shardia Shears of Vivid Events KC, and Shahida Salam of Life of the Party KC are using these locations to bring a wide assortment of events to the community. It's a family-owned business, along with my husband and children, says Salam, an event decorator and owner of two event spaces. We opened Elegant Affairs event space in the gallery in 2019. We had to close after the pandemic. But since things have started up, we have serviced around 25 weddings. In addition to weddings, Salam's business does a fair amount of work with baby showers, gender reveals, and birthday parties. We don't happen to see a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes into any given event. Pulling off successful larger events within the local black community may consist of collaboration between other black planners. Professionals in this field understand the need for cooperation to make weddings something classic and distinctive, while also propelling the careers of others in the black community. 
I always add in my flavor, Salam says. That's what sets me apart. We add a little bit of seasoning on everything we do in terms of decor. We bring glitz and glam to bring that upscale feel. Tanisha Mitchell, who stumbled upon the occupation by accident, began organizing smaller events for friends and family. In her six-year tenure, she has become a major fixture in large-scale luxury events like weddings. Many couples have opted to wait for the world to revert to some normalcy before attempting the already daunting task of planning and executing a wedding, let alone the wedding of their dreams. Even still, Mitchell has continued to hone her skills and elevate her capabilities in these tough times. Sales went down due to we are not able to do large numbers, but creativity went up, says Mitchell, recounting the issues facing the industry with COVID-19 regulations. We had to do more virtual parties and drive-by baby showers where people set up in a driveway and everything was distanced. When reflecting on what set her apart from both the classically trained white planners but also her black cohorts, she informed that she is known for her creativity, detail, and sass. That sass and not being afraid to use less formal, fun colors or being able to think outside the box is what sets my brand apart. I go outside of tradition. Mitchell is not at all worried about attracting clients to her resources as she has established herself as an innovative, independent visionary. At times, it could be a downfall with difficult clients who walk into a consultation and try to bring unrealistic expectations of what an event will consist of given time and budget. I want to create an experience for the ones out there who can't, Mitchell says. When I see someone who comes in with every detail already made up in their mind, those are red flags as they have their vision, and at times it's hard for someone else to tap into your vision as you see it completely, instead of working together. Perhaps one of the most important details for a bride, aside from the dress, will be hair and makeup. A black woman's hair is nothing to play with. It takes time, effort, and expertise to deal with, as well as developing the right tonal mixtures for makeup. For Brittany Fauntleroy from Be Rich Talks Beauty, beauty is a serious and delicate matter to be entrusted with by any woman on their wedding day. Hair and makeup in the black community isn't something that can be easily outsourced to someone outside the community, who may not understand the complexities of working with black hair and skin. Originally from Los Angeles, California, Fauntleroy moved to Kansas City when her husband changed jobs four years ago. Having been in the makeup game for the past 10 years and starting her own cosmetic line before moving to Kansas City, Fauntleroy knew she had something to contribute to the scene. I basically picked all these different ideas on how makeup is so important to all the industries. I am self-taught. I'm doing this full-time and I've been able to collaborate with a lot of different creatives, but I specialize in bridal says Fauntleroy, who's created partnerships like the ones with the others featured in the styled shoot. I work hands-on with a lot of event planners, which we call glam squads, and create these super teams. There's camaraderie here, but there's potential for more of us to come together as black professionals on mass events to create a shift. When discussing the topic of black skin tones and the complexity of blending, it was understood that outside artists may not know how to work around that. A lot of this also comes with an artist possessing the adequate number of shades that work on black women of many colors. While the city may not be lacking in black makeup artists, Fauntleroy is looking forward to others getting involved in getting their names in the scene. I see the black wedding scene being big and going beyond what anyone is expecting, Fauntleroy says. We are doing such new and big projects in our creative expression. This, she says, requires access to funds in order to go above and beyond. One way people have been saving money is by altering their catering. Smaller, more confined events call for less food, which means the availability to find smaller, local providers to meet those needs. One thing most couples would probably not want to skimp on is the wedding cake. The cake, in many cases, is the centerpiece for the whole reception. In Kansas City, black bakers have applied their craft in all event settings to make edible creations excite any creative imagination.
Kanisha Henderson, the owner of Branded by K Cakes LLC, has been baking for three and a half years. It's something I was always exposed to, but I would move away from it and come back to it, says Henderson, who now bakes full-time. For her, there is never an off-season, due to year-round cake orders for birthdays, holidays, and any other time people would like to enjoy a delicious treat on their table. The hardest thing was making the cakes. It's a lot of trial and error and learning your way to a point where you just make it look easy, Henderson says while laughing. Some people do want to find a black cake maker because there are just different personal preferences for cakes and just the flavors that we are brought up liking. Developing a team is a strong hope for Henderson and brings more exposure to the massive undertaking that black bakers in the field are shooting for as weddings begin to start back up. With the increase in numbers of black professionals in widely known areas like event planning, design, hair, makeup, and photography, there is still a wide gap for smaller services that may be harder to break into. Take, for instance, Rodney Thompson of Thompson Designs. Thompson has been in the business of flowers since he was 12 years old and has watched the landscape change in terms of diversity, availability, and need for local florists. I used to go and clean up a flower shop after school, sweeping up the floor, dumping the trash, filling pots up with water. It got me $25 a week, which back then was a pretty nice amount for a kid, says Thompson. Since then, he has been using his skills as a florist to supplement his income. Flowers are a major part of most weddings, capturing the style and feel of the event, while highlighting the fashion and decor. Neighborhood florists have become virtually obsolete as new businesses arise to put the most exotic plants and flowers at your fingertips with a call or online order instead of the in-person guidance offered by those still operating in a changing industry. You don't see many flower shops anymore, let alone any these days ones run by a black male florist, says Thompson. It used to be more of a common trade in the community for previous generations, but has slowly passed out for one reason or another. Mostly, I would say, based on gender roles for what's seen as man's work. Thompson breaks down these stereotypes while creatively expanding what he can do with his craft. He decided to capitalize on the paint-and-sip craze, using his knowledge of floral arranging to teach what he calls wine-and-design classes over floral decor while enjoying a glass of wine. One person in the black community to contact for wine needs is Shay Phillips, the woman behind Godly Fine Wine. Phillips stands as one of barely two dozen black wine producers in the country. Still relatively new, Phillips created a large blanket of exposure through her wine and has capitalized on the need for a black-owned wine producer in the wedding sphere. Wine is something that is extremely spiritual to me. In the Bible, it talks about how one of Jesus' first miracles was turning water into wine. Wine was served at the Last Supper, Phillips says. Godly fine wine came from trying to create a vibe for a community that enjoys wine. The growth that comes from this wine is insane because we hope to be in stores this year. In this age, we are seeing an increasing number of professionals in surprising places, emerging to bridge the gap for those who want to buy local while buying black. This team of black professionals is taking on the old practices and stylistic norms of the traditional wedding scene and charging headfirst into the battle to make our ceremonies reflective of us. For too long, we have played by a playbook given to us and, out of fear or apprehension, dare not make deviations to the setup. However, here in Kansas City, the overall feeling is truly optimistic. Moving forward won't be moving alone. Together, perhaps making enough noise to get noticed will be the catalyst this movement needs in order to take flight into a new era of black wedding excellence. And now it's time for Nick's Music Corner, baby. Hello, I'm Nick's Basic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. 
It's been five years since Kansas City's The Grizzly Hand dropped their album Hearts and Stars, and now they return with both a new single and the announcement of their first shows in well over a year. Since April, the country-tinged rock and rollers have been in the studio working on a handful of tracks with the intention of releasing singles over the summer and fall, with a full-length release possibly due at the end of the year. The Grizzly Hand's first new single, Now That You Know, is a slow, soulful number with a bit of a sway in the musicality. The band's always been known for walking the line between introspective and barn-burning when it comes to their songs, but this new track feels like it's walked right out of Muscle Shoals circa 1973. There's a beautiful lope to it all, with singer Lauren Crumb's vocals soaring high before blending into a rich choral tone. It's a close-your-eyes-and-gently-sway kind of song, and I love it. You can purchase the track at thegrizzlyhand.bandcamp.com and likely hear it live when the Grizzly Hand plays two sets at Lemonade Park on Friday, June 11th. In the meantime, here's Now That You Know.
Today's episode is brought to you by Worlds of Fun. It is, Worlds of Fun is now accepting applications for all positions, including ride operators, lifeguards, cashiers, cooks, and bartenders. All positions come with competitive pay, paid training, and best of all, free admission. Leadership positions are available. Working at Worlds of Fun means you will receive worlds of friends, worlds of flexibility, and worlds of experience. Literally, it's worlds of fun. Get a head start now on your worlds of opportunity. Apply at worldsoffun.jobs or text FUN to 97211. That's worldsoffun.jobs or text FUN to 97211. Uh... Our interview today was with McKinsey. Uh, McKinsey is out of Lawrence, uh, used to be a, uh, a reporter with the paper out there, uh, had a bad time with the unionization effort of the staff, left and uh, started uh, her own Lawrence journalistic publication that we have watched start to flourish in the last six months. So thrilled to talk to her about um, what it's like to start your own thing, uh, what it's like to stand up for yourself, and what's going on in Lawrence. Uh, here's the interview with McKinsey. Mackenzie, welcome to the show. Would you introduce yourself to the audience? <laughs> yes, my name is Mackenzie Clark, and I am the reporter slash founder of the Lawrence Times. What's your journalism background? <laughs> um, well, I went to KU's J School, and actually before that, um, I was uh, I went to Johnson County Community College for a little while. I'm sorry, my, my speakers keep changing in and out between my earbuds and my uh, laptop. So let me know if you can't hear me at some point. Um, at, at some point in the world, we'll get back to recording and spaces together and it'll be so much more fun. But I think everyone <laughs> understands weird tech problems. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would think by now, it would, you know, but anyway, um, yeah, so I, I got some practice at Johnson County Community College. Um, I was editor-in-chief of their student newspaper for a little while, the Campus Ledger. And at that point, we actually increased circulation, which does not happen these days. So no. <laughs> um, that was pretty exciting. Um, and then went to the University of Kansas from there. Um, I was briefly editor-in-chief for the summer 20 summer firm. Um, <laughs> the uh, Lawrence Journal World after that and spent about five and a half years there. And uh, now I am here. What happened to end your time at the Lawrence Journal World? <laughs> um, you know, it was a combination of a lot of factors. Um, namely, things changed significantly when we decided as a staff to unionize. Um, and management was trying to make a whole bunch of changes that they weren't actually allowed to make at that point in our you know, unionization process. Um, and... I just saw so much wrong happening that I couldn't stay there anymore. And um, yes. <laughs> I, I, I like the face of like, I'm trying to do the diplomatic answer. It's important. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, 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 took, you took a principled stand and you were like, I'm, I'm out of here. And then you were like, I'm gonna make my own Lawrence newspaper. Uh, so how has that gone? Like, what? What are the tenets that this is built on and, and how do you function and like what are the plans? <laughs> sure. Um, so we are very, very small <laughs> and, uh, you know, we are online only for now um, and probably for the foreseeable future, um, just so we can afford to keep functioning. Um, you know, because there's no way that we would be able to do this if we were trying to also have a print product. So, um, you know, we are built on accountability and transparency and truth and true justice 
And what we really want to do is make sure that we are encompassing this community's values. And I feel like that's a place where the journal world has really struggled, um, you know, meeting people where they are and really showcasing this community for what it is and what it has to offer. Um, and, you know, we're not just like any other community in Kansas. Um, and I think the, the, the local newspaper needs to reflect that. What is it about Lawrence that you feel like sets it apart from not even just other cities in Kansas, but perhaps across the Midwest? You know, it's such a, a strange and special place. <laughs> um, and I, I think, you know, you can't have one without the other. Um, you know, this is a community that just brings so many different kinds of folks together. Um, and, you know, most of the time it works really well, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but, you know, just being able to capture that story, I think, is so important. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there, there's no place like LFK. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in uh, Salina, Kansas, so I spent a lot of time in Lawrence over the years. And I, I remember being able to tell from a very early age, like, there's something very different about the vibe long before I, I learned about, like, Democrats and <laughs> and uh, and people that aren't straight and uh, artists and say so, yeah, I was just like oh this is like a refuge where everyone can feel comfortable but they also mix along stupid cornbread white boys like me from the middle of nowhere in Kansas and it was like somehow it seems to work right so exactly yeah uh, everybody yeah for a little bit for and everybody but it is it, it, it is. Like you can you can't really go like ten miles outside of town then because you're just right back into farmland. Right, <laughs> um, and you know we also can't forget about the folks who aren't as comfortable here as perhaps they should be, and that's another reason why we're here. That's the Lawrence Times. Right. Yeah. It's it's fine until it's not, and when it's not fine, the people it's not fine to are the same people that it is not fine to in so many other places. So yeah, right. important work that you're doing there. What do you see as the big issues that are facing Lawrence, like? What do you see as being like the big stories for Lawrence? What is the stuff that you think Lawrence needs to focus on this year? <laughs> sure. Um, I think one of the big things is going to be uh, policing. Um, we recently had a, a top to bottom study done of the Lawrence Police Department. And now just this week, KU has announced that their chief is retiring and they're bringing in um, three finalist candidates uh, looking for that job. And they're also gonna be implementing some reforms um, based on a task force's report and work. Um, so, you know, that's, that's going to be a big one still. Um, you know, I, I'm hopeful that the, the pandemic is kind of winding down and, you know, hopefully we can move on from that, like by, you know, December, <laughs> that would be really good. Um, and, you know, I think with the, the vaccinations, um, you know, we, we are at least one of the most vaccinated counties in Kansas, which is great. Um, I, I think there were some issues with the, the report that found that we were the, the highest, but um, that could still be true. I just haven't been able to keep up with all. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think we're starting to see a return to normalcy and, you know, just having people out in the streets doing things and, you know, having fun, having a great time. Um, really looking forward to capturing a lot of that. And, um, you know, how businesses are, you know, either surviving, coming back, um, you know, what's gone, we don't even really know at this point, you know, how many places aren't going to be coming back. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of kind of playing catch up after the, this crazy, crazy past year we've all had. Um, 
we've been trying to update uh, business restaurant lists, things like that with, you know, a final total of like who made it, who didn't, uh, which restaurants. And like the, the problem we've run into is that like, we're still losing restaurants as surprises like now, uh, either through they realize just can't make the financials work or ramp up fast enough or the, the new dreaded issue of just can't staff it. Uh, we, we had two places closed down this week because they're like, we just, they're, we're, we're done trying. Like we can't, we can't get enough people to work here anymore. Uh, it's just like, oh, so like as much as it's over, like it, it keeps going and keeping track of all this can be hard, which is certainly a reason that publications like ours uh, matter to a community because we're out there taking care of stuff like that. What's your favorite part of being a journalist? I like it when I know I have told a story the best possible way, um, which, I mean, it sounds weird, but like, I think the greatest compliment for me is when somebody tells me, thank you so much for writing this story, you got it right. Um, yeah, that That is just so hugely important because, um, you know, if you're not right, then, you know, you're, <laughs> what, what is that worth to anyone? Um, and I, I think, that plus the community trust that you can develop by getting things right um, is by far the best part. Um, building bridges with folks and getting to know the people of this town. And um, I think my version of the, uh, the I got it right compliment is when somebody I've written something that's critical of them is like, well, I was represented fairly. And I'm like, that's the best yes. I could do. Thank you. I, uh, exactly. I, I have a whole yeah. book I wrote about uh, two guys in the video game that they made and they're atrocious people, but they read the book and really liked it because they were like, we were quoted accurately throughout. And I was like, that is, then that is journalism. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Fair do you have accurate. any pets? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the pets. Have... This is the most important part of the interview. Oh, yes. Um, I'm sorry they can't make an appearance here, but um, <laughs> I have two cats. They are both calicos, Charlotte and Eleanor. Um, and Charlotte is our breaking news reporter because she is constantly breaking the news by rolling all over the keyboard. And Ellie is our editor, um, mainly based on the mean looks she will give me on occasion. <laughs> They are both delightful and um, fortunately not running around here going crazy and, you know, trying to kill each other uh, to, you know, just prove me wrong and, you know, make me look like I'm lying to you. 99% <laughs> of the time, they are fantastic. <laughs> I, I would love for you to have invented two cats with such elaborate backstories as to be the staff of your of your internet paper. Uh, <laughs> what, where can people read the Lawrence Times and like, how can they support what you're doing? Okay, we are online at lawrencekstimes.com. Um, very important to get the KS in there. There's another Lawrence Times that is just a pink slime site. So um, definitely want to set ourselves apart there. Um, lawrencekstimes.com. And we are Lawrence KS Times on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, probably other places as well. Um, and uh, to support us, we have a few options right now. All are voluntary, and we are hoping to keep it that way absolutely as long as possible because um, I, I should have said earlier, um, one of our other biggest like founding principles is we want to keep access to news and information that is crucial to people's lives available to everybody who needs it. Um, so equity is a huge part of what we're trying to do. You know, we want to be fair and equitable to everybody and not 
you know, lock down critical information that folks need. Um, so to do that, we are asking folks to either support us with a voluntary support subscription, which is $7.85 a month, like the area code 785. Um, and that's basically for you and your household to read. Um, and then we have a solidarity subscription available for $14 a month, which is basically, you know, you plus a neighbor or somebody else who can't afford to pay to keep news access available. Um, so, so far that model is working really well. Um, you know, the, the more people hear about us and hear about what we're doing, I think the more we're getting on board um, and proving that, you know, we're, we're worth your money um, and, you know, we're, we're worth paying to try to keep us around. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we also, of course, wanted to give folks the option of reading us for free um, until they get you know, accustomed to our work and see what we're actually doing um, and if we're worth supporting. Um, and then we also have a save local news subscription option, which is anything 1450 and above, name your price. Um, and so, yeah, the, the community support has just been absolutely incredible so far. Um, I, I've just been blown away pretty much on a daily basis um, with just how wonderful this, the, the folks have been. Um, and I, you know, really, can't thank them enough, this, this whole community. Well, we are so thrilled to, to see your work uh, and to be working with you on, on hopefully more things moving forward. Uh, we will both now go back to our respective newsrooms full of cats uh, and uh, get back to the business of news. Thank you, Mackenzie, so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Talk soon. All right. And that's been Streetwise, the podcast extension of The Pitch from Kansas City. Please check out all the exciting shows on The Pitch Podcast Network, which you can find via our site. We are always growing and adding new ones. Just a lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, top 5 KC uh, with Patrick Moore. Just a wonderful, wonderful time. I've gotten to guest on a few of them already. They're just so fun. Uh, so go give that a check out. Um, consider uh, stopping by thepitchkc.com to check out all the wonderful stories that we are doing each and every day. And uh, if you ever feel like tossing a couple of bucks our way to keep the lights on, donation links are on that page. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, anyway, just be nice to each other out there. Have a wonderful summer. Concerts are coming back. Please pay attention to our brand new calendar on the site, which is tracking all of the events and shows coming up. There are so many of them, and we need a full-time person, I think, just to start adding all these events. That's what a flood of events uh, it is. So uh, pitch in, and we'll make it great. Thank you so much. Bye, 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 bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.